I may not need to go. I'm that sick to my stomach right now. I'm like, oh, well, that's good news. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, we've already had the vomit talk a couple weeks ago, you know, back with Michael and vomit. Don't do it at all. You know, that's another sermon. It's in a sermon. Right? Okay, Michael. And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe somebody else will take you. Like, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. And, and I'm like, I can't find anybody. Um, and, and so she's in the car, and, and she's like, oh, man. And so she's like, maybe I should just stay. I'm like, let's just, if, if you want, I'll do whatever. If you want to go, let's go. I just want to take off. And then she's sitting over there, her stomach's churning. She doesn't feel good. She's like, God, it's so good. I'm like, no, no, you got to throw up. <laughs> she's like, no, no, my God, it's so good. And she starts just talking about how great God is. She starts talking about all the, the bad things. She's like, man, you know, me and Bob, we're praying for the person that pulled out in front of us. I'm like, praying, yeah, praying they get tickets and praying they got good insurance, <laughs> praying that they get what they deserve, what we're praying for. She's like, man, we're praying for them, praying that they're okay, praying for their souls. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then we get to the hospital and we get up, and, and Bob is in the middle of this back spasm, and I'm serious. I'm not. I'm not making fun of him, man. He, like these back spasms would come on if you saw them, and I mean they would like literally just jank him up out of the bed, and and and, and it would it would hurt, and he would Caleb seen him for man. His face, man, would just do this, and he's sitting there in the middle of this back spasm. God is so good. God is so. And I'm like, man, you're having a back spasm right now. Like just deal with the back spasm. And he wasn't showing off, man. It was sincere. This was a man that no matter what the circumstances were, he's going to rejoice in the Lord. And he gets through this back spasm, and Melanie's over there, and she's got a trash can by her doing her thing, and I'm like, this is, the, this is my audience right now. And they just keep talking about how great God is. I'm like, you know what? I'm shallow. We will talk to God later right now, and I'm just going to get through my stuff. That's what Paul's saying. So you see this couple over here? Man, they've lived a life. Man, they've had some ups and downs. They know what it's like to be in extreme need. Rejoice in the Lord. So that's what he is saying to the church at Philippi. Brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 2 says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, somebody that grew up in Athens, Georgia, okay, who hates the University of Georgia, I use this all the time. Right? Any, any Georgia Bulldog fans out there, I'm telling you right now, the Bible says y'all are evildoers, you're mutilators of the flesh, and, and we're to be avoided at all costs. I mean, here's the thing. In reality, dog is very negative. And I know some of y'all don't want to hear that. Like some of y'all would, would rewrite scripture starting with this verse right here. Let's take dog out, right? Because some of y'all just look crazy when it comes to your pets, especially your dogs. I mean, in our culture, man, we put little sweaters on these little things. Right? Come in, show of hands. Go ahead. Go ahead. It, it just raise your hand high. Because I'm gonna tell you about my grandma. Okay, we got some over here. Man, because the fur coat that God gave them. You know, to endure all elements. What enough? We're going to give little Fifi a, a sweater, and we're going to give them beds, and they get to sleep in their bed. We stayed with Amanda's uh, brother and, and sister-in-law at their house, and they've got a a, a dog. Um, it's white. It looks like a big poodle. I can't remember what they call those things. 
Um, it's a big book, less forty years. And so the dog there and it was like, Oh, hey, where's the dog sleep? Oh, in the bed, y'all will sleep in the night. <laughs> oh, oh, the dog sleeps in the bed. Oh yeah, every night the dog sleeps in the <laughs> Oh my gosh. We saw a dog getting taken into a brand new puzzle chest, a Doberman Pincher. Somebody was walking a Doberman Pincher into the Publix yesterday that, that we were at. Look here. Dog in Paul's writing was a terrible thing to say to someone. Alright? And he's like, man, this avoid these people. My grandmother. I'll just tell you the story. My grandfather passed away. She was given this little throw pillow of a dog. It's about this, about this big name and grandma. Okay? Now, this was a long time ago. This was before all you other people that do this stuff. She was doing it way before y'all. She had a custom made, okay, because the dog's about you know this tall standing up, right? And, and if it stood up on its hind legs, it's about this tall. Itty bitty little thing called Grimpy. Um, she had a custom made seat that would hang over the passenger seat in her car so that the dog could sit in it. I mean, it had a little, little, little like a little, little water thing right there. What's that for? It's like all nice and soft and plush. And, you know, had this thing made and the little Grimpy would just sit there. His little head out the thing, and just go everywhere. She would put the thing in the purse and take it into the store. This was a long time before everybody else was doing it, right? And and so I I, I get this. But when she passed away, it was like we got to fight for Grimsby because whoever has Grimsby is getting getting the inheritance. Like that's that's how crazy it was. That's not Paul's view of the word. That's not Paul's use of the word dog here. He, he he's talking about people called Judaizers. And Judaizers were first Christian Christ followers who were also Jewish, as you can probably attain from that. And, and their core belief was that you pretty much had to become Jewish by works, right? But like you had to, you had to have the circumcision before you could actually be a Christ follower. So Jews were circumcised on the eighth day, as we'll read about Paul in just a second. But if you, who are not Jewish and you're not circumcised, if you really want to be a Christ follower, hey, you have to, you have to be circumcised first, pretty much become Jew, and then you could become a Christ follower. That's the dogs. That's the people that Paul is warning. It, it's not the pagans. It's the people inside the church, if you will. And he's like, you, you had to become like them in their customs and their actions before you could become a Christian. And I'm so thankful we never do that in church. We never send that message to the outside world that when you come here, hey, you gotta, you got to be like us. If, 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 you're, if you're not like us, then, then you need to change a little bit so that you fit in. Right? I know. Whoa. You look charismatic back there? I mean, raising your hands here is okay. You raise your hands here in this church, you get stared at, brothers and sisters. Let me tell you. And, and, and it's like, whoa, did you see that person? Like, that's the talk. That's that's the talk. And they were raising their hands all the way above their head. You know, we get a little hey right here. You know, God's good. We get, we get a clap. Caleb tells y'all to clap one or two times. Man, y'all y'all clap like six times and it's over. Right? We, we never, and I said, so now we're influenced the people that want to come in and clap. They're like, up here, they want to clap. And it's just, y'all just, it just died. What in the world happened? Well, we're not going to clap the church. You know, here, we're a little more cerebral. You know, we, we like, you know, keep the emotion down. Right? That's, that's who we are. 
I know membership at LifeBridge can be a little tedious. And you got to take our one-on-one -on -one class. You got to sit through Perry and Mike and James and myself and some other combination of people going through all this information. It used to be like seven hours long. We used to it back in the day. We've now got it down to two. But you want to know what you don't have to do? We're not checking to see if you're circumcised. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not doing that, all right? It, it, it's not that. And that's what's taking place right here. The Judaizers are saying to the Gentiles, if you want any action on this Jesus fella, show us the circumcision or you're not getting in. And so that's the dogs that Paul is writing about. People who put confidence in their flesh and they tell others who desire to follow Jesus that they too must do something else besides simply surrendering to Jesus. It doesn't count. You ain't believe in Jesus with all your heart, they say, but if you're not circumcised, it does not count. And Paul's like, watch out for those people. And I'm not going to get into it, but verse 3 says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. That's what they're doing. They're putting the confidence in the flesh. And then verse 4 says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And the reality is, in the, in the church in America, we put confidence in the flesh all the time. I mean, the nerve of my kid yesterday, so we went over to Georgia, man, we had like this big like birthday celebration for Stella, and we, had to, we stacked all these things up. It was like a 36-hour trip. And Friday afternoon, we left at 5 o'clock in the morning, got over there, saw Mamie's uncle, did some stuff. We got to lunch Friday about 1 o'clock, maybe 2 o'clock. And Griffin goes, as he's holding a varsity cheeseburger, uh, what's for breakfast tomorrow? <laughs> right? right? Like, true story. True story. We do this all the time. You want to know why he asked that? Because he has confidence in the flesh that we're going to eat breakfast tomorrow morning. And he went wrong, we would take breakfast. Right? We we put confidence in the flesh all the time. We put confidence in our abilities in this life all the time. In church, this is not necessarily a bad thing when we use these abilities for the glory of God because he's blessed us with these abilities and he expects us to use these gifts and abilities that we put confidence in. It's when we think that we have done, or what we have done somehow, has any bearing on our salvation. I mean, there's a lot of Christians that go through life. I mean, I've, I've heard this within this last week. I've been pretty good to get into heaven. I've given enough money to get into heaven. I mean, I, I, I know people that literally have that mentality. I will just write checks. I will live how I want. I will do what I want, but I will write checks with the expectation that I'm getting in to heaven. Now, I grew up in a small church, country church, 80s, 90s. Perfect attendance, man, was what they promoted. You, you run for perfect attendance. You've got to get perfect attendance. Don't ever miss church. There were people that, man, like had perfect attendance for like 12 straight years, never missed a day of Sunday school in their entire life. What kind of fun life is that? 
never miss Sunday school. That's what's going to get them into heaven, you think. And I've taught children in children's church for 29 years. That's going to get me in to heaven. And we start to play this middle game that the things <coughs> I do or have done are impressive enough to woo God. And don't get me wrong. We're created for works. God designed you to work and to serve using your gifts and abilities for the sake of the kingdom. Paul isn't saying don't serve. He's saying don't think that what you do this side of heaven matters for your status of getting into heaven. Because here's the thing, when you're putting confidence in the flesh and you're saying, I'm doing the work here, you're eliminating or you're minimizing the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And what matters to God when it comes to salvation, whether or not you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus, that's the only thing that matters. So this is what Paul's saying to the church. And then he gives us his resume. And to you and I sitting here in North Alabama, his resume, I mean, it's impressive, but it's like, okay, whatever. But check it out. Circumcised on the eighth day. That's the law of Moses. He was supposed to do that, so check that box. Of the people of Israel. He's one of God's chosen people. He's, 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 he's of that line. Of the tribe of Benjamin, he's of the line of David. I mean, if you think about it, he and Jesus are connected. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. Capital H, capital H. I mean, he's somebody important. He's a bigwig with all Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee, which means he didn't just memorize a couple of Bible verses. Like, he, he memorized the Torah. Okay, and then he knew better than most all the Old Testament books uh, that, that were available, all the prophets. He knew them, right? Not like I know where they are and, and I know some verses, I'm familiar with some verses there, but he knew them. He was a Pharisee. And then don't miss this. As for zeal, huh? Yeah, y'all want to know how excited I was about serving at church? I killed people. I killed people who, who were not the Judaizers. I killed people that, that didn't buy into the circumcision thing. I persecuted this little movement, this band of people that said they're Christ followers. As for righteousness based on the law, false. Wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. But you want to know what he did? And you know the Old Testament enough to know that when you sin and when you make mistakes, you know what you had to do? You had to make offerings. You had to make sacrifices. And he was a master of this. He, he, he knew the law to the letter. He did the rituals that the way that he was supposed to. He did, the, he did them when he was supposed to and how he was supposed to. Church, his earthly resume to his audience was something to aspire to. Like we think of Billy Graham. Like, whoa, that dude is a righteous man. I mean, he's like a model that we should live our life by. Billy Graham was the stuff. Paul's better. And the audience knows it. It gets into this resume. And then verse 7. The tongue shifts. 
But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul is saying, whatever I considered valuable, whatever I considered important, those things are a loss. My heritage, where I came from, a Hebrew of Hebrews, yeah, a while back, that used to be something. Now, what did you do? My bank account? Because he came from a rich family. My bank account? Considered a loss. It's nothing. Said it all on Jesus. My career? Man, I was a Pharisee. I could boss people around. I could have little followers coming behind me trying to be just like me. And I, I, I could leave a legacy of generational impact of, of these people who follow Saul, the Hebrew of Hebrew. Care about Whatever was important to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And he goes, What is more? Verse 8. I consider everything a loss. I consider everything a loss. My home, it's a loss. Having a family, eh, be nice, but not the cards. Marriage, not having a wife. Career, nice car. Anything that society says is important, I consider every single bit of that a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. My Lord, he says. <coughs> it's personal. Church, do you really grasp the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus? I mean, is he really enough no matter the circumstances? Now, I told our sermon team two weeks ago when we came <laughs> this is the one detail from this text that we must, Lord willing, please help us to wrap our minds around this this morning. Paul walked away from a nice life, a nice career. He walked away from heritage. He walked away to all the things that mattered to that culture. He gave it all up to follow Jesus no matter what. And here's the thing, and Jesus and Paul exchanged this. They had this dialogue. They had this conversation on the road to Damascus that day. To know Jesus Christ is to obey Jesus Christ. Is to do the things that he wants you to do so that you become like him. Is to put his desires for my life above my own. That, that, that's, that's what it's about. It's to treat other people the way that he would treat other people, no matter how they treat you. It's to use my time on earth the way that he would use my time. It's to use my material resources the way he would use my material resources. That, that's what it is to know Jesus Christ. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Several conversations within the last couple of weeks about people and their circumstances, and I hate that people are going through hard times. My heart breaks for them. And the word fair keeps coming up. It's not fair. It's not fair that this is that this is happening. 
only thing that's fair is that we get the punishment we deserve for sinning against a perfect God. That's the only thing that's fair. But you want to know what? It's not fair. And God said, I love these people so much that I'm willing to give up my son for them. And if they will just surrender their life, if they will just believe in who he is, and they will just knock down the walls of, of selfishness and pride and holding on to the life that they live, and they will let my son live in them, and I let the Holy Spirit live in them, and they, they allow the Holy Spirit to just work in them so that they become like Jesus. That is the work of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I consider it all a loss. But Paul takes it one step further in the emphasis of how he views his resume, of putting confidence in the flesh. He, he, takes, it, he takes it one step further. And he's telling us, this is how you two should view what this world has to offer. He says, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. Now garbage is an interesting word for us, because there's garbage and there's garbage. There's just a fellowship meal that we just had where y'all throw your scraps and all the waste from your food into the garbage and it's nasty and slimy. You servants take it out to the dumpster. There's garbage that, you know, it's just a bunch of paper products and paper. And I mean, I like every, once every six months, I clean my desk off and, and it's just a bunch of paper. It's just receipts and stuff I don't need. It just, that's garbage, right? It's not what Paul's saying here. Paul is actually very, is, is, is painting a very detailed picture here for his audience. The word garbage in the Greek is skibulon. Say skibulon. Come on, say it a little bit louder. I want, I want you, I want, I want to hear it from the entire room. Skibulon. Skibulon. Okay, thank you very much. You're now all on, on, on camera. You've been recorded. The, the ESV uses the word rubbish instead of garbage. Now, um, unless you're British, right, rubbish is not a word. We didn't, we didn't hear too many people in RK, Georgia, using the word rubbish. Now, I actually did have a grandmother who lived in RK, Georgia. She was British, so she used the word rubbish quite a bit, to be honest with you. Um, and and, and we, we, we were a little sophisticated. Y'all know that. Skimulon, just so you know, is the Greek word used in a slang sense for feces, for excrement, for dung. Now, you think about slang words for dung, if you will. I'm going to repeat those. You get the point. Y'all all just cussed in church. Can you breathe? Just so you know. <laughs> My confidence in the flesh, I consider bull skibulon. <laughs> That's what he says. Well, like, I, I want you to know just what I really and truly think about my resume. 
I want you to really grasp what I think about putting confidence in the flesh. It's skibulum. It's just not just garbage. It's not just rubbish. It's it, it's dumb. It, it, it is the worst, the lowest, the lowest. We don't want to touch it. We don't want anything to do with it. That's how I view putting confidence in the flesh. I consider it all a loss that I may gain Christ Jesus. And verse 9 says, and be found in him, not having in righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Church, this is the key verse. This is the key verse that we need to remember. In embracing this mentality that Paul has, verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes. Leave these words to yourself to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Coming like him in his death. And so, verse 11 says, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul paints this verse of, man, this is who I am. And I'm somebody. I've got reason to have confidence in the flesh based, based on how you guys view the world. I'm, I'm legit. I'm it. I'm, I'm the stuff of stuff. I consider it all a loss. None, none of that is important to me. I mean, you, you take the most influential billionaire that we have. It says all this stuff that I've worked hard to attain means absolutely nothing to me for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. We all want to know Christ Jesus. If we went around the room and I said, do you want to know Christ Jesus? You'd go, uh-huh. You want, yeah, oh, yeah. We all want to know Christ Jesus. But do you want the rest of the verse in verse 10? Do you, do you want the rest of what Paul is writing? Because Paul was willing to embrace the rest of it. That's the part that comes with it. The power of his resurrection means that death is no more. Yeah, we may die a physical death on this earth, but life in Christ does not come to an end at all. I'm just transferring addresses. That's what I'm doing. It's like I've conquered death. Death is nothing else for you to fear at all because it's done. I mean, who doesn't want that? The physical body quits living, but life continues on. Because you want all that, don't you? What about the participation in the sufferings? Oh, oh, slow down. Uh, that's a few times in, in, in this letter to this church that Paul keeps talking about rejoicing in the Lord and, and, and having joy on their behalf. There it is again, the participation in the sufferings. Paul has terrible marketing skills. We want all of it without the suffering. We want the comfort. I still want to live for me I want to do what, what I can do. I don't, I, I'll give a little. I'll, I'll stretch a little. But really and truly, I don't. Uh. Now, we know verbally that we're supposed to say that. But our actions reveal who we really are. 
cannot consider the loss for the sake of knowing Christ without the willingness to participate in his sufferings. And what does he say? And to become like him in his death. Oh, great. Now you got me dying on the cross. No, it's not what I'm doing. It's not what Paul's saying to the church here either. It's not about dying on the cross. It's about dying to self. I'll never consider it a loss. I'll never consider it all a loss without the willingness to die to self first. That's what the challenge to the church is. In a little while, he's going to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse isn't about supernatural power when you just go pick up a car. That verse is about I can die to self with Christ who strengthens me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the picture painted by Paul as to how we should view the things of, of life that, that the things of this world that matter to society, that matter to the church, that matter to everybody but you. And Paul had it right. I counted all the loss of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that we can live that. God, may we seek you in all things so that we know what we need to do to die to self. Thank you for the confidence that we have. Thank you for the gifts, the abilities that you've blessed us with. But Father, I pray that not one time do we ever consider the work we have done here as a replacement for, for what Jesus did on the cross so that we can have eternal life. May our confidence be in you and you only, even God, when it makes us feel uncomfortable. We love you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.